We are heading to the little book of Titus this morning, so you might like to find that. It's just after the two books, um, letters to Timothy, and I'm just going to pray. <clears throat> Father, we are just already so aware that you are right here with us this morning, and that, Lord, in every way you make provision for us. And Lord, as we come to a time gathered around your word this morning, we incline our ears to you and we do so with an expectancy that you are a God who speaks to his people and that you are continually at work in our midst and in and through us. And so we invite that into our lives again this morning, Lord. We invite the presence of your Holy Spirit to be at work in us. Lord, we choose to do our part to listen and respond. And we trust, Lord, that we are in the process of continually being transformed into the likeness of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So this is a little book, it's a little letter that Paul wrote to his son in the faith, Titus. And we're just going to start, um, we're going to read a a fair number of uh, verses this morning. We're going to start in chapter 2 at verse 11 and read through into chapter 3. He says this, Paul writing, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation For all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarrelling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But... When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things 
so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. I don't think that you have to study us humans for too long to notice our fixation with transformation. We have reality TV shows that show the makeover journey of people or renovations of the um, renovator's dream run-down properties. Magazines sell on the basis of many of their rags-to-riches stories. And then there's the existence of a multi-billion dollar industry built around self-improvement as people desperately pursue personal change. Those things cover everything, don't they, from fitness and diet to mental well-being to organisational habits to our relationships and wealth creation. Even in the more ordinary phenomena of our spring clean we find ourselves realising that most of us like a good, fresh start. And my observation would be that this preoccupation with transformation reveals that at a fundamental level, humanity is groaning to be made new and to be transformed. It's just that most people wouldn't phrase it that way. They wouldn't recognise that this fascination with all of these things around us in the world actually reveals that we are yearning to be made new. This desire for renewal leads many people to search in all sorts of different places for a solution. You may even reflect upon your own life and places that you have looked to meet that yearning of your heart. But what the gospel reveals to us is that there is only one true source for the regeneration and renewal that we seek. Jesus famously said to Nicodemus, you must be born again by the Spirit. That word born again means to be spiritually transformed, to be renewed and sanctified. And so Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, to be spiritually transformed, to be renewed, to be sanctified, you must be born again by the Spirit. And unless you do, you will never enter the kingdom of God. The gospel reveals to us that it is only by the Spirit the Holy Spirit, that we are born again. It is only by the Spirit that we are made new. It is only by the Spirit that we are being transformed. It might be familiar to some of you, but when I was contemplating this, and there are a couple of words that we use in um, our Christian ease that help in some way to unpack this mystery of being a new creation and a new birth in Christ. And so even if they're familiar phrases to you, I just thought that it was worth revisiting those um, for the sake of um, the things that I feel like God has laid on my heart for us this morning. So when we're thinking about being born again, we read about being justified by faith. 
And so justification is something that Christ has done for us. It's not something we can do for ourselves. It's something that has been done for us. And it is immediate at the moment that we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and are born again by the Spirit. At that point, we are declared righteous through the cross of Christ. We are justified by faith in him. Sanctification is the other word that I want to remind us of this morning. Sanctification, on the other hand, unlike justification, which is this immediate thing um, that happens at the moment that we confess Jesus, sanctification is the continual process of being made more holy, of having Christ formed in us by the ongoing work of the Spirit in our lives. So justification and sanctification. Paul says to the Corinthians, We all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed. He's describing sanctification into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. So both aspects, justification and sanctification, are works of the spirit in our life. One is immediate. One is going to be ongoing for the whole of our life. We sometimes refer to this process of transformation or sanctification as spiritual formation. You might have heard of that phrase. And as the name suggests, the process of spiritual formation in our life leads to something being formed in us. There will be tangible evidence in our lives that we have been changed and renewed. What scripture reveals to us is that in this ongoing spiritual formation in our life, there will be the developing character, conduct, and good works that reflect the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. But here's the dilemma. Even if we are genuinely wanting to become like the one that we follow, Jesus, in our character and our practices and our lifestyle. I don't think that there's anyone here who would not be very well aware of just how far each of us is from that. You know, we read these descriptions of faithful Christian living like we've just read in Titus. Or another one of my favorite passages in Colossians, which lists all these things that we're to put off and put on so that we're to show kindness and compassion and be faithful to forgive one another and to bear with one another. Or even the passage that Andrew um, shared with us last week from 1 Corinthians 13, describing all of these characteristics of love, being patient and kind um, and any other number of passages that you want to pick in the New Testament. And we find ourselves thinking, how on earth am I going to change that much? I can see where I'm at now, and I'm so far from that picture. 
And we are confronted with our own humanity and our frailty. I mean, I'm meant to be a new creation where the old is gone and the new has come, except for the old keeps rearing its head and I'm still struggling with disobedience and lack of control and quarreling and I am very definitely not able to always show perfect courtesy towards all people just to pick a few of the things on the list in Titus that we've just read that are just seemingly impossible. So what I want to look at this morning is how are we transformed? How is Christ formed in us? And is that even possible? We often think of the outward working of the Holy Spirit as being in power demonstration, signs, wonders, miracles, the gifts of the Spirit in our mix. And so they are. They are outward demonstrations of the Spirit's work. But there is an equally powerful demonstration of the Spirit's work, and that is the sanctification and transformation in the life of every follower of Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul is describing to Titus when he describes washing or baptism of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's work in us is progressively transforming us to be like Christ. Most of us would know, and I'm sure all of us have had stints of trying it in our own strength and by our own means, to make it crystal clear that this kind of transformation to becoming like Christ is not something that we can manufacture. It's not something we can do ourselves. We can't achieve it by willpower or simply putting ourselves through some kind of self-improvement behavior modification program. It's only by the power enabling and continual renewal washing of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we gradually become like Jesus one degree at a time. I think that living life without the enabling of the Holy Spirit is a bit like trying to push a car that's run out of petrol up a hill on your own with no friends. But the Holy Spirit is described as our friend. He's described as our aid, as our helper. And he is also the very source of power that brings change and moves us gradually towards more and more a life that is reflective of our Lord Jesus. It's only by the Holy Spirit and his work in our life that we ordinary mortals can in any measure look like Jesus and that then together as the church, as God's family, we then from that place get to share the continual work of Jesus himself. But it's only by the Holy Spirit. We can't do that. We can't manufacture that with programs in church. We can't do that by just simply um, giving you lots more information. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. Everything that we are commanded to do that fits under the things that Jesus said were the 
two greatest commandments, love God, love each other, all of that is absolutely impossible without the indwelling presence, renewal, and regeneration of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So when we are considering how do we, how do we get from here to there, how can I be transformed, the first thing that we have to remember is that it's only through the work of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it without him. Yet, at the same time, it would be bad theology for us to say that we therefore don't need to do anything, that it's all up to the Spirit of God. We are just going to lay back and wake up at some point transformed. What I find really interesting about the Apostle Paul, who knew only too well the incredible grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he saw no tension between receiving by grace and then doing good and expending effort in order to conduct his life in a manner worthy of the calling of Christ. They were not opposed to each other in any of his writing. It's a grace and. And so what you see in um, his letter to Titus is that he outlines for us, and we've read that this morning, that it's through the goodness and kindness of God our Saviour that we're justified. Not by works, but by his grace. But then Paul goes on to say, in light of this truth, I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. So what we have here is this invitation to be partakers, to, to partake in God's grace, in his provision of salvation through the cross of Christ and in the ongoing filling and empowering of the Holy Spirit. And we are to be participants in the long, slow work of becoming like Jesus, devoting ourselves to maturing as his disciples. The Apostle Peter also wrote something similar in his letter. And I think that it is worth our while turning there this morning. So I'd love for you, if you've got your Bibles there, to head to 2 Peter chapter 1. This is what Peter writes, starting at verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So his divine power has granted these things to us and we are to be partakers of his divine nature. This is what he goes on to say, verse 5. For this reason, because we get to be partakers in his divine nature, for this reason, 
Make every effort. Here's our participation. Make every effort to supplement your, your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, so note there's a growth element here for us, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are to be partakers and participants. That is necessary for spiritual formation in our life. It takes both the power and the regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, and it also takes our sanctified effort. It is a joint project, this transformation process in our life where God has a part and we have a part. The reality is that we will not become like Jesus by accident or by being passive. And sadly, we also don't become like Jesus just through one power encounter with the Holy Spirit. I mean, look, I would really love that if somebody could just lay hands on me and that I would, be, I would have an encounter with the Holy Spirit that would just sort out this sanctification process, I would be very pleased. I think we all would. But actually, we become like Jesus by what Eugene Peterson once described as a long obedience in the same direction. I love that as a description of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. This is what it means. This is the sanctification process, the spiritual formation in our life. It is a long obedience in the same direction. The very purpose and understanding of discipleship or apprenticeship in Jesus' time, and so when you read about the word disciple, it has within its meaning this sense of an apprentice. And an, an apprentice hangs out, don't they, with the person that they're learning from. Um, I was telling the women on Tuesday night because we were talking around some of these themes as well, and uh, quite a few years ago we had a man come in to fit some cabinetry in our family room. I don't even know how we got talking about it, but he connected um, me with the church and he went on to tell me that he had been an apprentice with Heine. Many of you would know Heine Frank who went home to be with the Lord last year. And so he had been out on his own for um, many Many years, he hadn't actually seen Heine probably for a decade, but he was sharing how there were many aspects of his craft and trade that mirrored the person who taught him in Heine. And so what I guess I want us to grasp this morning in that sense of apprenticeship is that in Jesus' time, discipleship or apprenticeship meant that you were becoming like your teacher. That was the whole point of it. And many rabbi and religious leaders had followers, students and pupils who not only absorbed the information of their teaching, but actually modelled their life on their teachers in habits and practices and lifestyle. And so as disciples and as students and apprentices of Jesus, 
we are called to do the same, to model our life on the practices, habits, and lifestyle of Jesus so that we will become like him. So it takes intentional spiritual formation. It takes active discipleship on our part and radical long-term obedience in order that we might become like Jesus. We, we need to be teachable and malleable to his ways and eager to learn and to live in, in the ways of Jesus. So you know, following Jesus for us as disciples or apprentices of Jesus, where we're desiring to become like him, is much more than just filling our heads with information and knowledge. There actually is this outworking, this evidence in our life in our practices and our actions that we're becoming more like him. And so we need to study those things. We are, of course, to be students of his word and we're to be students of his life. So we have the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the the parts that are impossible for us to do without him. We are to be partakers of that. We're to be participants in this process of ongoing spiritual transformation in our life, looking to be intentional disciples of Jesus. The third thing that I want us to think about this morning when we think about this process of transformation in our life, and um, I want to just refer back to some of the things that Andrew was talking about last week. He, He talked about how we're a family. The church is the family of God. And just like in the natural, it's God's design and intention that children grow and mature in the context of a family unit. Our spiritual formation is also to take place in the context of the family of God. Every single one of us needs to be practicing the lifestyle of Jesus over a lifestyle lifetime in community. That is how we are trained and discipled and transformed. We need mothers and fathers in the faith, people who are mature in their faith, who were apprenticed under Jesus for longer than we have, people who will walk with us and encourage us and be an example to us and, um, so that we can see what it looks like in their life. And then we're, we're called to, be, to do the same. There will always be people around us. It doesn't matter whether you have known and been walking with the Lord for a week or you have been walking with the Lord over decades and decades of your life. There will always be people who you can come alongside and encourage through the things that God has been doing in your life. So this third part of transformation is that it happens in the context of family. We need people around us to encourage us as we seek to grow and mature as disciples of Jesus. The other thing that we need to remember is that to live a sanctified life, to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus, is not just simply for ourselves. Yep, definitely our life will look greater and with greater levels of freedom as we allow the character of Jesus to just permeate us and for the fruit of the Spirit to flow in our life. But we are called to live a sanctified life for the sake of others, for the sake of the gospel, 
and for the sake of our witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the key themes that you'll find through the book of Titus is Paul saying that our conduct needs to match the message, that there needs to be this outworking, and so it is for us, that our conduct needs to match the the message. There needs to be this evidence of the Spirit's work in our life and our long-term obedience um, to Jesus. I want to encourage you. I, I cannot tell you how many times as a pastor I have heard how the witness and tangible evidence of someone else's changed life has been the catalyst for a person's own investigation of Jesus and ultimate salvation. That may be your testimony this morning, that you have seen the transformation in someone's life and thought, I, I wonder what that's about. I, I would like to know more about Jesus based on what I am seeing being developed in that person's life. And So I want to encourage you this morning, don't underestimate the impact of your witness, even if you are well aware of how far you still have to grow. The formation of Christ in you is a witness to others. You know, as participants and partakers of his divine nature, as that progressive renewal and transformation happens in our life, we will point people towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Adam, can I um, invite you to come back up just for some music? Is that all right? And so just finally this morning... When we talk about transformation, I, I alluded to this at the beginning. I'm sure that I'm not alone in finding that at times the slowness of transformation can feel a bit discouraging. As we feel day in, day out that we're just going around the same mountain, finding that we're, we're tripping over the same things again and again. The first thing I want to encourage you this morning in is that you know what, on a, on a day-to-day basis, it's sometimes really hard to recognize the change and the maturing and the transformation that's taken place in our life. I would liken it to me looking in the mirror every day and not necessarily noticing the maturing changes that have been going on. But then I look at a photo from five years ago and I think, oh, yep. Yep, there have been maturing changes there. Hello, grey hair. Hello, extra wrinkles. So I want to remind you that sometimes, day in, day out, we miss just how far God has brought us. And this is, I think, where testimony comes in and is so powerful in our lives because when we reflect on our testimony, when we think about where we started with Jesus, what that looked like, when we look back and we see that what we were struggling with a decade ago or five years ago or a year ago is actually no longer quite so over-consuming in our life. We remember that he is changing us one degree at a time. We are being transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus. And we will always, this side of eternity, 
be tripping over things that require transformation in our life. That is the reality of our humanity. So it's so important for us to remember that being sanctified, becoming like Jesus is a slow work that's taking place over our lifetime. And we may be far from arriving, but the question we need to ask ourselves is, are we on the slow, intentional path towards Christ-likeness? Are we intentionally pursuing Him and yielding to the Holy Spirit's work in our life? Are we being both partakers and participants in His transformation process in us and through us? And finally, I want to remind you that He is so more, much more patient with us than we ever are with ourselves. He is the God of transformation and he specializes in the renewal of all things. And he loves you. He loves you. He is for you. And his desire is for his son to be formed more and more in you. And he doesn't leave us alone in that process. He's right there with us. So I want to pray for us this morning. I, I have a few specific things on my heart that I really feel are key invitations to us this morning. But can I just, before I share those with you, can I just pray for us more generally and just invite the Holy Spirit to come? Because what we want to do this morning is respond to Him. Not trying to manufacture something this morning, not trying to force something. We just want to respond and incline our hearts and our ears to Him and see what, what's He inviting you to this morning? What's He inviting me to this morning? So, Holy Spirit, would you come? Again, we just declare that we trust you. We trust you in the slow but steady work of your Holy Spirit in our lives to form Christ in us. We are aware, Lord, of our inadequacies and our humanity. But we remember, God, that you are the God of transformation, the one who makes all things new. And I thank you, God, that you do that in us. We just we want to be sensitive to you this morning, Holy Spirit. We want to be paying attention to you. I pray, Lord, that you give us the boldness and courage to respond to you this morning. Thank you for.